Hi, everyone. This is Tim. I want to thank you for the download and tell you about Direct Sellers. Your wine to your door with your friends. Discover a new wine each and every month. Life is complicated. Your wine shouldn't be. Let's make it easy. Join the Direct Sellers Wine Club. Get monthly deliveries direct to your door. Discover new selections each month. You can also build a business. Direct Sellers' revolutionary approach puts the focus 100% on you. We're focused on exploration, discovery, and education. Each month, our expert selects great premium wines from wineries around the globe. Each selection is accompanied by a tasting note detailing who, how, where each wine was crafted. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. With each shipment, we help refine your palate and identify regions and varieties that you love. And when you do find that perfect wine, we are the only club that provides its members an opportunity to stock up at club cost. Our goal is to help you fill your own cellar with wine that you love, wine that you're confident about and that you're proud of, and most importantly, that you're excited to share with your friends. We are confident in our selections. After all, our success depends upon our members' continued happiness. However, should any of our selections arrive damaged or simply not meet your fancy for any reason at all, simply let us know and we'll send you a replacement bottle. So if you want to find out more about Direct Sellers, go to our Radio MVP Facebook page and click Shop Now. There's a link there on the page. So take a moment and check out Direct Sellers for you can get your wine to your door and with your friend. Direct Sellers Wine Club. If you're looking for more information on Direct Sellers, you can contact me at my email, tim at radiomvp.com. That is tim at radiomvp.com. Okay, let's do it. Episode 9 of Radio MVP Sports Podcast starts right now. Hi everyone, this is Tim along with Anthony. This is Episode 9 of Radio MVP Sports Podcast. As we're going to get into it, good news to pass along. If you haven't checked out our Facebook page, we have announced that we are available on iTunes now. Yes, you can download and subscribe through iTunes and their uh, manager, so it's fantastic news. Uh, we're worldwide now with Stitcher and with iTunes, and I hope you all uh, download and subscribe there and rate us and leave a comments. That's what I want to say. Leave some comments and uh, rate us and give us a, an opportunity to uh, improve as we move forward on our, uh, our journey here. Episode 9 of the Radio MVP Sports Broadcast. All yeah, right. it's uh, really nice to be on iTunes now. That's uh, that's what can you when you hit the big time. You know when you're when you make ESPN, so to speak, on TV. That's what you want to do. And yeah, now you're on iTunes, and you know, so that's pretty cool. It is great news. I'm I'm thrilled about it. I've been working on that along with you for the last few weeks, and it finally came through about two weeks ago. And you can find us. Just search Radio MVP. You'll find us there. And you'll do the same with Stitcher and any other podcast casting catcher that you may use. You'll be able to find us and download and listen to streaming it. So it's fantastic news. Radio MVP is on iTunes. And I want to thank everybody for uh, downloading it and also uh, rate us and review us on iTunes. That's what I wanted to say. Rate <laughs> us and review. There we go. It's important. I found out. I don't know the all the ins and outs, but what it does, it ranks your 
your downloads and how how people react to you. So it'd be wonderful uh, how you guys do it, and I really hope most of you would take the time out and rate us and review us on iTunes. All right, let's get into it. We haven't been doing this for about the last two and a half weeks or so since the NBA Finals ended, and we haven't had a chance to talk about the Cavaliers and how their season ended. And, yeah, I'll first admit it. It's a disappointment. They lost an opportunity. We mentioned it going into uh, Game 3. Uh, go, or actually going into Game 4 after Game 3, where they the last three minutes of that game, they really went cold and gave the game away at home and basically gave the series from that point on a high percentage of it to uh, Golden State. They extended it to one extra game. They went out west, and uh, they fought hard, but they just lost to a better team, and I can accept that. I really can. I'm disappointed as a Cavs fan. I wanted to defend that championship. I wanted to have another parade in in Cleveland. And quite honestly, this was the most talented Cleveland Cavaliers team they've had. Now, that does not mean they all played at the highest level. Most of them did. I would give you know LeBron, obviously, straight A's for what he achieved. Five stars, whatever you want to say. Uh, Triple-double in every game. I thought Kyrie played well. First two games, it was a little subpar, and then he turned it on the last three games and played well. I thought Love, three out of the five games, played extremely well. So, you know, you look at the Cavaliers overall, they did well. They didn't finish the job. It's disappointing. You move on. And the big news, obviously, in Cavaliers land is David Griffin leaving as GM. And that is going to be a huge hole to fill. Uh, Chauncey Phillips is Given the uh, possibility of taking that job, he hasn't accepted it yet, and there's no indication that he will. So Dan Gilbert has dug himself a hole here, and he's going to have to find his way out of it. It seems to me um, that Dan Gilbert is kind of feeling inferior to LeBron again, where he knows LeBron, that's LeBron's franchise, that's been LeBron's franchise since 2003 when he came to the league or whenever he came to the league. Um, you know, and I can understand why Griffin mutually agreed to part ways because, I mean, you could just see this coming. Gilbert's always been a guy he wants to power, and he wants his name out there. And he, I don't want to prognosticate and say LeBron's name because I think he'll retire a Cavalier. I, but if this keeps going the way it's going and Gilbert wants to put his big boy pants on, then it leaves every opportunity – for LeBron to leave, and this time Cavs fans will almost agree with him for leaving. Because it's just getting to the point now of, does Dan Gilbert have a clue what he's doing? Yes uh, and no. <laughs> let me let me say this. Is um, he a mad scientist? I'll, let me say this. Obviously, owning a team is the greatest ego boost for any of these multi-millionaire billionaires that own a, own a franchise in all sports. Especially after what you would call the Steinbrenner era in baseball, how he interacted and became very important to how the Yankees were run and what they spend money on and who they spend money on and what they chose to do over the seasons that he owned them from the mid-70s all the way until his, his passing. And you've seen other owners come in in different sports and be that. Jerry Jones is a perfect example in the NFL. And I think the Cleveland Browns owner right now, you know, uh, has is definitely in that type of category, though he's kind of taken a sidestep in the last couple of years. We'll see how long that continues, but we'll wait and see. I mean, this is not unusual, but um, in the end, 
I think what you have is it's his team. He can choose to do whatever he wants with it. As crazy as it sounds, do I agree with letting go of David Griffin? No. I think he did a phenomenal job. He took a team and molded it around the best player in, in the NBA. And he used every asset that, that they acquired. And in the process, they delivered a championship and they've been to three championship series uh, with two different coaches. Mm-hmm. So on that level there, I'm pretty impressed with with Griffith and what he's did, especially the trades that they made over the last uh, three years as how they used the trade exception and how they were able to move players and find ways and collect even more assets in the process and use them to give them an opportunity to win that year. Now, the assets are gone. Obviously, it's a very different ship right now as the Cavaliers don't own a first-round draft pick until 2021. Uh, That is a long time from now, and in the NBA Chronicles, that does not happen very often especially under the rules where you can't trade back-to-back years. So they had to acquire them and trade them and acquire and trade them as the uh, time went on. So it's going to be difficult for the Cavaliers long-term. However, I will say this. If you're competing for championships, then who cares? You know, that's the bottom line. Who cares? And the noise about LeBron James, look, Anything's possible. I learned that the first time around. I didn't think he was going to leave the first time because he could get the most money from Cleveland at the time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, money didn't matter, and he went to Miami. When he came back to Cleveland, he has used his leverage as a player and the best player to the best of his ability using his short-term contracts and getting maximum deals. And I give him a lot of credit for doing that. He's hold the Cavaliers, you know, foot to the pedal, you know, to the fire, and they have to get things done. And they have done it. Uh, maybe not as smooth as you wish every time, but for the most part, he can't sit there and complain that this organization hasn't put him in a position to win every year. So I don't know if he's going to leave or not. I doubt it. I really, if I had to put a percentage on it, and who knows what next year is going to happen. I mean, you're procrastinating into the future, and you just don't know. However, I definitely believe the Cavs are going to make some changes. Will Love be part of this team in the future? I do not know. Uh, I do believe one of the biggest problems or things that facing the Cavaliers will be the buyouts of potentially of uh, Carmella Anthony in, in New York and uh, Wade in Chicago. And they're, they're obviously, if they get bought off, they can sign minimum contracts and for one year and go for a championship and play with LeBron, and it could happen. I'm not predicting that. I'm just putting that scenario out there that everyone's talking about anyways. I was nothing new. But I definitely believe the Cavs have an uphill climb without a GM, without leadership. And they're going to have to find a way to, to find that leadership. Without it, they're going to be kind of the one, one rudder boat Treading going water. in a circle. Yep. Yeah. Does Dwayne Wade put the Cavs over the top? Now, let's, now I'm not saying is he – help them beat Golden State because the answer is no. We all know that. But, I mean, first and foremost, let me say this. Contradictory to some media media outlets, the sky is not falling in Cleveland. Even though they lost Griffin, the sky is not falling. The Cavs' demise has not started. Let's put that to bed. It's the three-time reigning Eastern Conference champions who two years ago would have won the finals if they were fully healthy. They won it the next year. And this year, if they win Game 3, 
you could be looking at a whole new series oh, that we could be sitting here, you know, and next year, is there a team right now in the Eastern Conference after the draft that is sitting there going, now we're better than the Cavs. I, I don't see Jason Tatum putting the Celtics over the top, even they if they go make a trade. Butler to Minnesota is not going to put them over Golden State. So it's going to be the Cavs and the Warriors, part four probably again. And we're going to have to deal with it. Now, do they need to find a GM and a, a director of basketball operations? Yes. But at the end of the day, if I'm sitting out there as a person in this field, like I do want to get into, and the Cavs GM job is open and I get LeBron, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving coming off this past run, I'm jumping at it. I'm jumping at it because deep down I see how much LeBron loves Cleveland. And I know he's not going to leave again. Look, and here's the thing. I mean, Dan Gilbert is someone you have to deal with. However, spend money though. But I was just going to say he puts you in position to win. He he's not afraid to open up the wall to do what he has to do. He paid the luxury tax. He's done everything the Cavaliers as an organization could want. Now, is it a tough job to take over? Yeah. Is it a job you can win? In? The answer is yes. There's no doubt. Look, I look at the uh, the NBA Eastern Conference and I see a valley that the Cavaliers can fill every year. I think it was proven in the playoffs. They really took the second half of the season off. They didn't finish well. And then they, what did they do? They run off 12 or 13 straight wins before they lost to Boston in the final, uh, final in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then, you know, they ran into a juggernaut. Give them credit for what they are. Will the Cavaliers look different next year? Yeah. Extremely different? I don't know that. But I think they're going to look different. And who's going to be here? Who's not going to be here? What magic plays get played in the NBA? I, it can happen. Look, two years ago, I thought Wade would join LeBron in Cleveland at one point. I think it still may happen. Obviously, it comes down to will Chicago buy him out? I have no idea. Will they do it now or they do it in March? You know, I, that's wait and, t- wait and see. And same with, with Carmelo Anthony. Uh, you know, obviously no one's going to trade for them. No one's going to buy that asset. Both of them. The only way you're going to shed either contract is to buy them out in the NBA. That ha- that's how it works. I mean, unless you are a, a Paul George who has one year left on his contract, who can do his thing the way he wants and try to manipulate the, NBA, uh, the Pacers into making a trade. And who knows where he land? Will he land in Boston? Will he land in Cleveland? Will he land in L.A.? I don't know. You know, but it's possible. He's going to be somewhere other than Indianapolis this season because they have to trade him. They're in that scenario. And the team is kind of very much what, what Love was in Minnesota before he came to Cleveland. He had one year left on his contract and then, you know, signed a long-term deal. So I honestly think, you know, if George is traded to Cleveland, him signing a long-term deal – is not out of the question. I think he'll test free agency, and why shouldn't he? That's his right and his obligation to himself. But you know, who know, I just at my point of view is the Cavaliers are going to be different next year. Obviously, they're going to shed some of the players that they have on this team that are older. Uh, will everyone be back? No. Will some of the players be back? Yes, because they they fit. 
Kyle Cover will be back. I can't imagine him not being back. Uh, Channing Fry, maybe not. Uh, Jefferson. Jefferson, 50-50. You know, that's the way I see it. And we'll go from there. You know, But, you know, Darren Williams, gone. You know, and if you replace Darren Williams with a Wade, uh, that's yeah. a pretty much an upgrade. Mm-hmm. So we'll wait and see. I mean, I, I'm kind of to that wait and see attitude with the Cavaliers. They're kind of in no man's land without the GM running the ship. And what type of um, directional this team wants to take now that Gilbert has a little bit more control and who that person will be that runs this team, we'll have to wait and see. If it's if it's Billups, great. We'll see what he can do. I don't know. I'm not endorsing it. I just accept the fact that he could be the next GM, and it makes a lot of sense with his connections to Gilbert, his connections to you know the coach, coaching staff, and connection to LeBron James. I mean, that all makes sense. I'm not saying it will happen, but it sure seems like it's set up to happen. It just may be kind of delayed right now for um, opportunities to maximize his deal. There are Knicks fans out there, and they may or may not be listening. Probably don't have any Knicks fans listening to us. But I think they would take a Dan Gilbert any day over James Dolan and Phil Jackson. That ship ship they're on out there continues to sink every single day. And you know what? I'm not promoting this, but if I were hired as a Cavs GM and director of basketball operations, I would call that circus up there in New York and see what they want for maybe Porzingis. It's a better matchup than what you got now. Right, right. Durant. You don't have really the at the what I would consider the assets to trade for him. No, and that's why and that's the that's yeah, the biggest problem. No, I, I, I think it is a I mean, obviously a tremendous talent. Will they trade him? Who knows? Uh in New York anything is possible anyway. <laughs> we found that out that over the years. it is. You know. That's you know uh that was funny. Um what's that actor name that uh big New York Nick fan? Um Michael Mike Lee. Michael uh Michael Rappaport also. Rappaport, thank you. Anyways, he, he came out and he uh he made a couple uh you know uh tweets about the Cavaliers and their fans in Cleveland, right? And I laughed, I seen it, and I don't get in Twitter wars and he didn't reply to me at all, but I went you know, I, I, I couldn't resist. I says and this coming from a Nick fan. So I mean I, that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, this is coming from a Nick fan. I mean, is there anything more pathetic in sports than a Nick fan? I don't know. Listening to Rich Eisen daily like I do, no. Because every day, it may be in the noon hour, it may be in the 2 o'clock hour when they're wrapping up. But there is a five-minute segment there. It's like a PSA of Rich Eisen. Please, James Dolan and Phil Jackson, get the hell out of town. Yeah. Every day. And you know what? Can you blame him? No. I mean, right now, that's a hot mess. Look. And I'm not sure anybody, anybody in the right mind that is of any talent in the NBA. Now, I know they're all talented, but any stars would be just insane to even For Phil look Jackson there. to fail in New York is not a surprise. Fail. Not because. That's being nice to him. Well, uh, well the bottom line is, A, it's a, it's a crappy job that no one wins in. The only one who came close was, was Pat Riley. And, you know, they ran him out of town. And the bottom line is, like you mentioned, the Dolans, and we have that here in Cleveland with the Indians at times. 
but uh, they have seemed to straighten their ship here in Cleveland a lot in the last three to five years, uh, really ever since uh, Francona came aboard. And it's really made a difference for the Indians and their PR and for how the organizations run. And, you know, but the Dolans have that that flair of screwing things up. And, hey, we'll let, let, let New York worry about the New York. You know, I was going to go on and on about it, but who cares? You know, I, I just don't care about the Knicks. I know, I, I know Phil Jackson. It's not a big surprise that a coach went in to become a GM and he failed. Most coaches that go into the front office do fail. Not all, most do. Uh, there are the exception to the rule all the time, but I did not expect him to really win there because of, you know, he just didn't have the talent and he was never going to run that type of offense and be successful without, you know, a Michael Jordan. And that's been proven year in and year out by many coaches who've run the triangle over the years and have not been successful. I mean, you have to have a great ball player. I think if you put LeBron James in the triangle, you'll probably win. Mm-hmm. But, you know. If you put LeBron in any system. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm not yeah. even saying that he would want to play in that type of offense, but he would LeBron win. LeBron could turn around the 76ers right now. Yes. So you could put LeBron on any team and give them an opportunity to win. Yep. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship, but he's going to make that big of a difference. You're a playoff team with him. Absolutely. No, there's no question about it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. There are some great all-stars in the NBA. There are terrific players. Durant is one of them. And Durant is becoming a better and better player year in and year out. And I won't take that away from him. But, no. There's, There's only one LeBron James and what he has done. He's taken two organizations. The Miami Heat... And the Cleveland Cavaliers back to back, and won to four championships, winning two of them. Won to three championships, winning one of them, and that's in the last seven years. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Uh, he's going to rewrite all the all the record books in the playoffs, and he probably, truth of the matter, has three to five years left at the level he plays because the way he keeps his body, the way he he, he has that mentality. I would not be shocked if that's the case. Look, I don't like to uh, just hum and, and, and praise everyone, but you know my stance. I've said it before. I mean, we're lucky to have him. Enjoy this. Enjoy this. Yeah, I want to win as much as anybody else. There's nothing better than last year when they won the championship coming back from 3-1. to one. But the truth of the matter is you have to enjoy anytime you have an opportunity to win a championship. And that goes in every sport. And that makes me want to turn the page. To our beloved Cleveland Indians. Wait, they still play baseball up there? Uh, yeah, that's what they say. Because <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it this month. Oh, my God. I've seen it on the road a few times. You know, if you want to catch the Indians on a road trip, I, you had a great chance of winning. Uh, it's amazing this team's win-loss record at home and on the road. Shocking how well they play on the road and how well or ineffective they play at home. And it's the pitching and it's the hitting at home. It's not either or. It's both. Some days you get great pitching and no hitting, like we did this past week, weekending with uh, Minnesota. Or you get a, a game, you know, where they're down 7-1 to one in the sixth inning. You know, and the stat over the weekend that I heard Matt Underwood bring up, I mean, it was the one that shocked my eyes when I read it and when I seen it, that they were 1-12 when trailing after the second inning at home this year? Yeah, 1-12 and 12 after the second inning. Make that 1-13 now being down 7-1 to one at home. That's shocking. How do you win when the games are over in the second inning? 
You know, I no, mean, it's just a rough homestand. They're gonna be fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you got to be concerned. I mean, I, I'm sure Francona is going beside himself, and there's not enough bubble gum in the dugout to uh, get him through. He moved on to Red Man, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's become more tobacco than yeah, less gum. Yeah, I, I tell you what, uh, yeah, I watched them this past weekend. I did not, thankfully. They, you know, they just cannot string an inning together. Yes, they can string hits together. They can get three hits in an inning, but they can't put three hits that matter in an inning together. They'll do it with two outs and leave a runner at third and get one run, or they will hit that double and they'll move the guy over to third, maybe with two outs, and and, and then strand him. Yeah, and they just, that's the key to the Indians right now is they just cannot put multiple hits together in an inning. The other day they had nine hits, and I think only two came in one inning. I mean that you just can't win, uh, and one of, they scored, and that was because uh, Ramirez hit a home run in that inning, and then they had two more hits and they couldn't score, and they had three hits in one inning and couldn't score. You know after the after the home run, you know it's just that's the killer right now. They have to find a way to get on base and to well, produce. They can get on base, they just can't get them in. Well, they one can't. They got to get them on base when it matters too. They can't be all with two outs or with one out and runner at first and. Then you roll over into the double play. I mean, uh, what's killing them is the lineup has a, some, a lot of some, holes. yeah, major holes. I mean, Santana. Much as I love the guy, and I'm a big fan of his throughout the year. Not me. But uh, what I mean by it is, I'm always rooting for the guy. But the truth of the matter is, he's two. He's a two twenty hitter most of the season, and then come August September, he bats two two seventy and finishes up two forty for the year. So what he you're just saying can't do is it. he. Yeah, is the modern day version of Johnny Peralta. When yeah, when it matters, he can't hit a beach ball, yeah. and then when they're out of it, he can hit everything in sight. It I, ma- I, it's not even that because he's proven the last two years or three years when the Indians have competed for divisional titles and wild card runs that he can compete in September and you know late August September. The truth of the matter is, he doesn't make enough contact. I mean, he does walk, but he doesn't get on base enough, and that's what kills you. He needs to, you know, he needs to be an RBI producer. And last year he hit 34 home runs and about 85 RBIs. This year, if he hits 20 home runs, that'll be a lot. Last- you can see the production, the power production just diminish this year. And the Indians need that power. They need someone who can hit doubles and who can drive in runs with a home run. Maybe Bradley Zimmer will. Bring up some of that missing ingredient that he's, you know, probably here to stay. I don't know. Listen, the it's not just the Indians and Carlos Santana struggling with the I want to hit home runs left and right. That's everybody in baseball this year. Home runs are going to skyrocket past the 2002 record, I think. And that has to do with this new theory that's going the on in baseball. Angle. Yeah, the launch and angle. A, and I, but you know what? Mm-hmm. That goes beyond. Santana. Santana's oh, had this problem for the But yeah. Santana's had this problem for the last five years. And, you know, Kipnis has to get stronger and get him back on base. I mean, he goes into these little runs where you think, okay, he's turning it around, and then he goes 0 for 16. And you just can't have those long, you know, stretches where you don't get on base. Santana right now is playing like a guy in his contract year because this is only a one year deal they brought him back on. And next. At the end of the season, he's going to be a free agent. 
And he's not he, playing like a contract year because he's failing. Well, yeah, I, I want to <laughs> say the pressure's the pressure's probably on the guy that the way he's going right now, the Indians would be absolutely insane to bring him back. I mean, oh, I can't imagine him. right now. No, I mean, can't. He imagine. stinks right now. I'll just be yeah, you would have to have the best second half that you've seen. In years. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about a guy who probably bats 280 in the What Ramirez half. has done the last month. You know, how he's turned around his season. And he was never batting 240. Uh, you know, he was never batting 230, Ramirez. He was batting around 260 when he turned his season around. And that's what they need. They need a guy who can get on base like Ramirez does. He hits the doubles. He hits the occasional home runs. He can run the bases. He can go first to third. You know, they need that type of player. Uh, Lindor's been in a funk. We need to get Lindor going. I mean, there's there's a lot of question marks. Obviously, not having a true leadoff hitter in this lineup, setting up innings has been a big problem. That's been the problem since we had Grady Sizemore because Michael Bourne was hurt all of their own 13 when he had his good season. No, they haven't had a true leadoff hitter in many years. I mean, I mean right now it's – listen, they're 39 and 35, is it? Yeah. Is that what they are right now? Listen. If you pulled majority of every team outside of, say, five or six in baseball and said it, after the 74 game mark, you're going to be 39 and 35, I think a lot of teams would take it outside the Cubs, the Cardinals. You know, your usual contenders. Is, but right now, 39 up, and 35 is not acceptable for the Indians. It's terrible. Obviously, you can definitely point to. That World Series hangover syndrome uh, that happens. Now, now, I, now, hold me back. The first two months of the season, this team has underperformed. You know, in April and May. And even in June, they've performed better, but still underperformed. They're very streaky, unfortunately, both ways, winning and losing. Now, you know, I believe tonight will be the fourth loss in a row. Be first the first time. time in almost two years. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, I don't care as long as you turn it around. Look at the Yankees. They've had a seven or eight game losing streak. You need to, you know, be able to turn these things around. The problem is you don't want to see wasted pitching performances, for, you know, like you had with Kluber the other night. I mean, Kluber just was lights out, two errors lead to two runs, and the Indians can't make a comeback. And once they did, they give it right back up. It's unfortunate reality right now. They... What this team needs more than anything, and I don't know if it's ever going to get it anytime soon. And Earl Weaver used to say this a lot about a team that was sputtering. It needs a three-run homer to win a ball game. Yeah, you need a walk-off through a homer or a grand slam to win a game. Exactly. Just and a three-run home run. You yep. know, a game that you're trailing four to two. You have two men on in the ninth, and whoever steps up to the plate you need a walk- puts one into the puts one into the seat at home. Yeah, it reminds me of a game last year against Washington or even Texas. But I went to the game last year against Texas on Memorial Day, and they got drilled. And then they got beat the next day and came back. They were down two or three runs, and was it Gomes that a chopper up the middle that found the hole finally for him, and they walked it off. They need something at home just to come back from either a big deficit or uh, it's – they need something to get excited about to say, this is us. This is our identity. We talked about that. You and I have talked about this before, about finding an identity. I think the Indians always are on the verge of finding it this year. And then they, they, they have a, a setback. I mean, 
this was the series against the Twins where they were supposed to, to run away and put well, went two away. out of three and put a a stranglehold a stranglehold on the division and make everyone else chase them, and they didn't do it. They flat out got out pitched. They got out hustled. They, they got did everything. Yeah, yeah. The, a team came in here ready to play, just kind of like opposite of what we've seen when. You know the tribe went up to Minnesota and played those four game set. They were ready. They were seven to one on that on that road trip. There's absolutely Against two teams that beat them up on the road yeah, too. You know, there's absolutely no excuse for what happened in the past. No, let me past say this three, too. Four days. There is no excuse to come off a seven to one road trip where you were the talk of baseball because the Astros didn't have their win streak going. Still, the Yankees were in a funk. You go seven one on the road trip and blow the. Doors off the opposing pitchers. I mean, absolutely blow the doors off the opposing pitchers. Anything that anybody threw, it was being hit by the Indians. And then you come home with almost over 100,000 people for a three-game series where you've begged and pleaded for years for fans to come out. Please come out. Come out during the regular season, not just the postseason. And they finally showed up in droves at the gate, and they're – and their showcase to that, oh, it, they were outscored thirteen to three, yeah, in a three-game series at home. Yeah, and on the road, they, what was it like 60, 64 runs to twenty-three during that eight-game stretch on the road? Yeah, I mean it was ridiculous what they were scoring on the road and at home. It's, it's look. The bottom line is this team does have some deficiencies. Right now, offensively, that are are very and glaring. Staff wise too, and pitching staff. There's no doubt. I mean, uh, missing Carrasco. I mean, excuse me, not Carrasco, but uh, Salazar has been huge. You know what he, you know, as an everyday starter, someone who can give you 25, 30 starts and keep you in those ball games. Look, every no pitcher is not going to win every start. I understand that, but you want to take advantage of starts similar to what Tomlin did the other night. He, you know what. He didn't pitch a great game. He didn't pitch what I would call a bad game either. He gave up three runs in almost six innings. He he gave you an opportunity to stay in that ball game, but the bats just let them down, and that's what is so often happening. Either they fall behind early big, they're down three, four runs early, and then they can't make the comeback, or you know your pitching staff like. Uh, like Carrasco today, seven runs. Well, seven runs. Wins. Yeah, I mean, and Bauer does that once in a while too. He'll give up six, seven runs. Bauer's been better lately. He I'll has been better. Last, I'll yeah. excuse his last bad start. I don't want to seem like an apologist because uh, I have gotten that comment a time or two um, about the Indians from a friend. But the past couple weeks have made me question: Are the Indians a really good team? that can't get out of its own way and can't take off? Or are they just a 500 team that had a fluke run last year and a fluke weekend last year? I don't know how to answer that because when I w- next week when they go on the road, they're probably now, world beaters uh, The again. truth of the matter it comes down to starting pitching. I mean, last year the starting pitching kept you in a lot of ball games and kept you an opportunity to win. Uh, Tomlin had a terrific first half. I think he was 10-1 and one at one point last year. And then the second half, he, he came back down to earth a little bit, you know, ended up out of the rotation for a start or two, and then came back late in the season and was all the way good throughout the postseason. Bauer was up and down all season last year, but he was a number five starter. You don't expect anything less than that. 
and but he kept showing improvement. Carrasco caught fire and was it was very good up until his injury. Mm-hmm. And say and you can say same thing about Salazar uh, had an all star half. Exactly. First mm-hmm. half he was an all star. The second half he wasn't. In the last year he's pitched, he hasn't been even close. He hasn't been back in the majors yet. They're talking about bringing him back here soon. We'll see. As a reliever, though, I heard. Well, I, I, you know, I haven't seen his starts down there. I haven't heard about him. I haven't really paid attention. But the truth of the matter is, yeah, whatever the case may be, they have to find, you know, obviously I think they're going to have to look at the chance of tr- making a trade for a starting pitcher. Is that- If they want to be relevant in October, if they even see October, they have to. The question is, what pitchers are out there the Indians are going to be looking at? And who are they going to make that move for? And what are they willing to give up for that pitcher? For example, uh, they're going to want someone with probably with control. You know, do you go after a Cole for a one-year fix? You know, he he can be a free agent. You know, I don't know. Is his contract? I believe a he has years? one. Yeah, one more year left. I was talking to a. He has this year and next year. I was talking to a uh, member of the Cleveland media over the weekend, and we were discussing. This same thing, and I said, you know, who would you want? Because right now, that's their glaring weakness. And I'm not sure that they're just one player away from making a big run. I think they're a couple. But he said Garrett Cole, Chris Archer, Sonny Gray. I had pointed out Johnny Cueto. Those are the three everyone's talking about. Cueto has said that he wants to leave San Francisco. He said that. And test free agency. He's making... $15 $15 million, so the Indians probably aren't going to touch that with just signing Edwin this offseason. Cool after this year is making around $4 million. Chris Archer is 3.5 mil, and Sonny Gray is making a little more than Archer. So those are the names that this media member talked about with me. Um, I the team that okay, the A's you're gonna you probably can make a deal with. They're gonna be a little harder to make a deal, not harder, but they're gonna be very much into the analytics of your organization and look for certain players that fit what they're trying to do. Um, I think the Sonny Gray's is gonna be on everyone's list. It's not just gonna be on the Indians list, he's gonna be on everyone's list. I think Cole's are gonna be on everyone's list. Mm-hmm. However, the Pirates are gonna be a little more difficult to make a deal with. Yeah, because the Pirates are the pi- well the Pirates are going to have a high price on him. They're going to want a lot because they don't have, they need to replenish some of their their farm system and they have to replenish some of the players that they're going to lose to free agency because they could write out Cole for the next year and a half and he's going to go into free agency. And that's, if the Indians ended up, let's say, trading for him, that's 99% of the chance that's exactly what will happen here too is he'll write off into free agency, which is okay. If he gives you the starts and the the boost that you're looking for, it just depends on what you're willing to trade in that process. Who are the Indians farm system they're willing to give up, and you know, obviously, I think there's some. I think this year there actually are some players where they would be say uh, they're non-touchables. You know, they're you know they're not going to look to trade certain players in their organization. I wouldn't trade Mejia. Right. I wouldn't trade that kid. Obviously, you're not going to trade Mejia. Obviously, you're not going to trade Zimmer. You know, let's put those two. I mean, I, speaking honest, of Zimmer, I'm moving the lead off and let him go. You know what? It, it may, can't get it, any worse. No, well, first of all, he he can do it. First, he first, fits it, it because he has the speed and he sees and a lot he more has the, yeah. And I'll grant you, uh, they've been 
I won't say baby him, but they've been protected over him because they have not well, let him back. Well, well, exactly. You know, he hasn't faced every lefty that's come into the uh, game. He hasn't started against that many left-handers and that. However, you know, there's a lot of moves that the Indians could make, but I have no problem, you know, doing that. And now that Brantley's back, hopefully he'll help bring some some instant offense to this uh, lineup. Uh, and you can move Ramirez back down to the five-hole to protect Edwin. I don't know if that's – I mean, that's usually – that's what they're talking about they're doing. And Brantley would be the three-hole guy again. We'll see. You know, it may work. It may not. It may want to switch that around. But from what I've heard Francona talk about is he wants to switch it or behind uh, Carcino for a reason. He thinks that makes him stronger, that they have to pitch to him because they can't, you know, go to a lefty or righty to face the next player uh, out of the bullpen. So that's his theory behind it. Obviously, you know, having a hot Ramirez behind Edwin was going to make him see even more pitches, which would probably make a lot of sense. So, but yeah, I have no problem. I mean, Bradley was batting ninth tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zimmer is, is is an interesting ball player. I mean, he has power. He has great speed. You know, he's a unpolished outfielder, but a guy who's improving. I think he's going to be uh, a guy who actually could. Be in this lineup for a very long time to come. And this outfield could look a lot different next year than it does right now. Oh, I think it will be. And I think it has to. Mm-hmm. But we'll wait and see. I think you're. But I mean, we got, like you said, this year too. we have, you know, players that they're going to have to make decisions on. And, you know, they're going to have to make moves. I mean, they did it last year. I mean, they let go of the veterans, you know, about this time James last year. Lynn Hunter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they gave the third baseman the... Uh, and Uribe, too. Uh, yeah. yeah, Uribe. Thank you. And, you know, they're going to be doing... I think they're going to have to do the same type of thing. They're going to have some major decisions to make and go forward. I mean, I have not heard about Austin Jackson and his uh, foot injury, if he's been put on a DL or not. I know they were t- yesterday they were concerned about his toe again. So... They did activate two players today. They sent down Armstrong, the the reliever, and Robinson, the uh, the outfielder, which makes total sense. You know who was brought back too, don't you? Yeah, Michael Martinez. No, I didn't hear about the that. The Indians resigned Michael Martinez and oh, to, to Columbus a couple. Oh of yeah, days well ago. he's not coming to the major. So leagues. he is back, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the Indians dugout within the next two months because that just seems to be the Michael Martinez. Ebb and flow. He gets brought up. He gets traded away. He gets released, and he, yeah, well, it's was, just a story. It's just, you know that's that's an interesting story because I remember back in the nineties, the Indians had a uh, reliever named Jimmy Pohl, who everyone will remember gave up the home run uh, in the uh, World Series, I believe, to uh, Justice, and that ended up being the uh, game winner and the series winner. Jimmy Poole left the Indians like three times after that, and each year he came back. You almost guarantee, come August, the guy was going to be on the Cleveland Indians again. And it's just one of those things. Some players just have a home and an organization. But the, you know, usually what they are is the 25th, 26th, 27th player, and that's what he is. Mm-hmm. When you need a player, obviously I think Gonzalez fits the Indians better. I think he brings a much better bat mm-hmm. to the lineup and athleticism in the infield. 
and they put him in the outfield. So I, you know, I really don't see him, barring injuries, uh, being part of the forty or forty man roster or even the twenty five man roster in Cleveland. But we'll wait and see. I mean, hey, Mark Michael Martinez, uh, he came back last year, you know, after spending time with Boston. So I think it was down in Tampa now, and got released, and we'll see what happens. But uh, I remember last season I had had a game on. And I did not know the Indians re-required him. And I, all I heard it was uh, Tom Hamilton says, and Mar- Michael Martinez rounds thirds and headed home. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got the wrong player. You're, you identified him wrong. And then I get home and I get on the Internet, and there he was. I'm like, well, I was wrong, Tom. I owe you that apology. And uh, But, yeah, you know, some players just seem to find a home in an organization. It does happen. It's like uh, – you know, the Cavaliers with Dante Jones. He came back. It happens. Some players find a way back on a, in, on a team in an organization. And it's not unusual that they find a way. I'm really concerned about the Indians uh, right now. I, I love them. I think they have the team to win. Look, the bullpen's strong. I, I know it's struggle, but I think that's They're because... They're strong and overworked. Yes, I was going to say. Right now, Can't I think it's overworked. five innings every night. I think that's exactly it. They're overworked, and when you're overworked, you're going to give up home runs, and that's what Miller did, and that is what Cody Allen did the other night. And I honestly believe that they're going to have to make some decisions, you know, again, about certain players and giving them opportunity to pitch longer and earlier in a ball game. You know, McAllister's actually having a good season, and they're going to maybe have to – never pitches. And – they protect him, and they don't want to overuse him because it's, they say he doesn't bounce fast. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to need that from him and others. I'm just using him as an example. But I think right now the Indians' bullpen is still strong. I, I mean, if you're going to give me Miller, you're going to give me Allen, you're going to give me – Don't you know, say Shaw. Oh, yeah. Don't say I Shaw should. because he he makes me want to spike my drink. <laughs> he makes it interesting. <laughs> interesting. That's being nice. You know, hey, Shaw's fine. I mean, he does. He is exactly what you want out of a bullpen guy who can appear in that many games that he can. And, oh, he's versatile, right? And but if you like heart attacks and biting your nails day, off, then he's your guy. On, look, that's what most relievers are. Most relievers are just that. They are not Miller. They are not Allen. Most relievers, you have to go through ups and downs. Brian Shaw, though, fits the bill of a typical Cleveland player. And I mean this in a joking manner. If you want edge of your seat, thrilling, excitement, or despair, he's your guy. Because (laughs) there are some years, as a Cleveland fan, you look up and you're like, that's that's a quarter line for Major League. Who the hell are these guys? There was other years, like last year, in 97, in 2007, that make you go, I love this team. It's my kind of team. But it, like Tim said, there is there is officially reason to start pressing the panic button. You're 76, 75 games into the year. Your next week could be your 81st I'm most concerned game. about the record at home. Obviously, yeah, some clicks on the road. You can't play every playoff game on the road. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> and, you know... Hey, the bottom line is you're going to have to find a way to win some games uh, in series. 
and you have to do it inning by inning. Are and, the Indians better suited for the playoffs? And I don't want to get put the cart ahead of the horse, put the, but does it seem to you like? And I, I don't want to say this because right now we're we're down seven to one. We're about to lose our fourth game in a row, but we haven't done that since 2015. But part of me just announced me because I'm ready to wave my white flag and focus on YSU football. But again, I don't. But if we get that trade and we get the walk off, or we get the big time comeback and slam the door shut in the ninth inning, the win at home, and get a series like we had in 07 against the Royals where we walked off all three games, or last year against the White Sox, or a Jason Giambi-type moment to really put you over, you know. That's what I'm talking about. We need, we if need we a big hit. If we can get a player like Garrett Cole or Chris Archer or Sonny Gray to come in here that will infuse life into this team like Andrew Miller did last year, and you throw out there Kluber, Carrasco, Cole, Archer, Gray, and then you can... Lean on Trevor Bauer for a fourth game. I mean, it, it. I mean, right now the good thing is the Indians fan is a silver lining. As long as Salazar is not performing, you need another pitcher. Simple as, as that. As my grandma always said, you've got to find the silver lining in life. And good news, Indians fans, you won't have home field advantage in the playoffs, which means you got a really good shot to win in the playoffs because – you play a hell of a lot better on the road. Than you and do you at home. won't be a progressive field for four games out of a seven-game series. Yeah, and when you go down to the Houston. The bad news is, though, <laughs> you could be going to Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park, and that's been a miserable place to win in the playoffs lately. Well, you know, here, truth of the matter is they might end up in Houston. And, you know, who knows? I mean, obviously there's Listen, a lot of— right now they got to start winning against Minnesota and— Texas. That is the key. Before you start talking, that's that's the key is taking care of your division, and that's what was so disappointing last night, or in the last three games against the Twins, is you didn't win a single game in your division in a series. That that's the bottom line. You cannot win a division without winning in your own with against your opponents in your division. Yeah, well, that's how you do it. Baseball is so weighted to your division now. You got 19 games against every team in your division. 19 games. You have to win 12, 13, 14 against some of these teams. I'm not saying you have to win 19 because no one does. However, you have to win 12. You have to win 9. You know, you got to go 9 and 10 as a 500 against one of these teams. But the other team you have to win 15 from. You know, and that's the way it works. I mean, and, and that's just the bottom line. If you're going... 11-9 Eleven and nine against or eleven and eight, you know you're not really putting yourself in in the best scenario, and you haven't played well against the National League this year. I think you won two games this year against the National League. I mean, you just cannot continue to be losing games in the first two innings of a ball game at home. I mean, one in twelve, one in thirteen after tonight, after the second inning trailing. I mean, that's just that's insanity. I've never heard a team. It's uncalled for. I've heard of teams that are losing teams have that. But this team. But not act, this team. No, this team has actually a winning not, record or, not or close team. to it. You know, and look, as long as you give Minnesota and Kansas City an opportunity to stay into this, they are. And the more you put your pedal, your foot down on the pedal and move forward and get, you know, them, get a little distance between them, 
and give them a reason to trade their players away to say, oh, okay, we made a run, but we're not going to get there. Kansas City has no need to make any. They're not, not when in they're the playing seller's well market. against the Indians. They're not in the seller's market right now. No way. And same with, with Minnesota. They're not in a seller's market. They may be actually in a buyer's market, which is crazy to say. But you put a Sonny Gray, an Archer, as something like that on one of those teams, and now what do you have to deal with? This is what the Indians are facing. Mm-hmm. By not taking advantage of this division like they should have. Listen, Look. are they better than Minnesota? Yeah, they probably are. And even Twins broadcasters and media will say it. They said it last week when the Indians came in and cleaned their clocks. But last year's Indians team, if you gave them a two-and-a-half game lead, here's they the, were putting you down here's the five or six games within the week. The four games that we played in Minnesota, we we faced their three, four, five uh Pitchers, okay. And we faced and we, we, we faced a call up pitcher, okay. And you won all four. Now, this week they faced a one and two, and they couldn't get the job done. That's where I'm concerned about the Indians. You, you have to twins. you. It doesn't matter who, Anthony. It matters that you're facing a team's number one, number two guy, and you're not winning. That's the problem because you're most likely throwing your number one and number two. That's what it comes down to. If you're not winning those games, I don't care if it's the Twins. I don't care if it's the Yankees. I don't care if it's the Dodgers. I don't care if it's Kansas City. When you're matching up your best players against their best players in this pitching staff, and you're losing those games. Cause at they're home. At, at home or on the road, but yet at home. That is a problem. Look, that last series set up in Minnesota, good for the Indians, because they missed their top two pitchers. Mm-hmm. This series, they got them, and they lost. That's the problem. Now, the Indians play bad baseball in the process, throwing the ball around and giving up runs and unearned runs. Yes. You know, and that doesn't help the scenario. Their defense hasn't been as strong as it was last year, and that's a big problem. They haven't been as active on the base path because they're not on the base path enough to get it done. So these are the problems that you're facing. You're going to face another team's number one more often than you're going to face their five. Okay. And the bottom line, that means you're number one and number two, guys. That means when Kluber and Carrasco are pitching, you expect to win 75% of those games. When you're not winning at that percentage with those two guys on, they don't have to get the win. You have to win the ball game. Yep. There's the difference. I'm not saying that you get, you're going to see the W by their name, but you're winning those ball games because chances are you're facing the, your opposition's number one and number two player and uh, pitching and on their staff. And when you're losing those ball games is how you become a mediocre team because you have to beat the other team's best to have an opportunity because in the playoffs, you are going to face the other team's number one, number two, number three, and maybe a number four guy. And that's the bottom line. You cannot beat up on the three, four, and five guys on a rotation. Mm-hmm. You need to win those games, but you have to compete and win against the number ones. And the Indians right now, and especially the last 25, 30 games have been unable to do it. And the lack this past month shows you how important Salazar is to this lineup, meaning the starting rotation. You're going a pitcher down, and you're having problems. Yep. And Kluber has, was player of the week, and he only won one game. He's looked phenomenal since he came off the DL. I and mean, look, a sub-two ERA does he have? Yeah. Since look, he came off the DL? I'm not... Kluber's number one, but you're not winning his games. You're not winning his games, yeah. That's because the offense was not yep. supporting him. One you know, and that's that's what I'm talking about. 
this offense has to find a way to get on base and make production against the opposition's number one or two. If they can't do it, these yep. four-game streaks, the losing streaks, are going to become very common because your number three, four, and five guy are not always going to win. Mm-mm. And Bauer has proven that, and so has Tomlin. Tomlin. They both have been very mediocre at times this year. They've both been strong, and they've both been mediocre. They're exactly what you expect out of your four and five guys. But the bottom line is the Indians don't have a number three right now, and their number two has been up and down, and Kluber missed about, what, three weeks of the season, three four weeks half, yeah. of the season Almost with injuries. Month, yeah. So, you know, there's there's the reason. You want to point to a reason why the Indians aren't winning. It's right there in the starting pitching staff. Yep. That's what I'm concerned about. Kluber's been pitching well. Carrasco tonight laid a bomb. You can't have that. I mean, look. No, his last start was good. So. Exactly. I don't expect every time out him to be superstar, but keep me in the ball game. I don't want to be down 7-1. to one. I don't want to be down 5-1 in the second inning. It just seems Those like- are the things you can't. If he loses the game in the 6th or 7th inning, that's fine. so be it. At least you have but a in chance. in the 1st inning? Right. And that's what the Indians have been the problem with their number 1 and number 2 guys this year is when they've lost it, they've lost it in the first 2-3 innings. And that's where that stat I'm talking about now 1-13 mm-hmm. after 2 innings at home is the biggest problem. I bet you if we go back through it, you're going to see – your number one, two, and three starters are all probably over in that scenario. Maybe Kluber has that one victory. I don't know who has that one victory. What's maddening is, but that's that's know, a concern. Bauer's that's where last it's at. start wasn't great, but it was Trevor Bauer though. He gave you six innings and he gave up one bad inning. Your fourth starter, your fifth starter, he has to keep you in a ball game well enough to win the game. That's all you're looking for. Like I and said, you can't score. This is about your top three guys. Mm-hmm. This is not about your fourth and five guys. They're going to be up and down each time. Tomlin pitched a quality game last time and had no support. Bauer pitched a decent game, didn't have no support. Kluber pitched a phenomenal game, no support. Carrasco's pitched a crappy game tonight and no support. You mean, there's going to be a time where the Bass have to carry a pitcher when he has a bad day. And this team has not been able to do that this year, where they went out and scored seven, eight, nine runs and won a game nine to seven. That has not happened, or or seven to five. That has not happened enough this season. And that's because the offense has has yet to find its identity of what they are. They hit home runs, but that's about it. It's it's all or nothing right now, and it's difficult to win. Unless you have the Indians team in the 90s that was up and down hitting 20-plus home runs. It's just they don't have that team. Baseballs aren't like that. Yes, the ball's flying out of ballparks this year. I totally agree with that. And the Indians have seen their share of balls going out of the ballpark. Unfortunately, they've seen a fair share against them. And that's the biggest problem right now. Again, you want to see this Indian team's turn around? It's number one, number two, and number three starter. If they don't start performing... And the bats at least support them with some some relevance, and it will never matter because, nope. like I said, Kluber can pitch his heart out. If the defense falls behind, falls apart behind him, he's down two nothing, and the game's over. It's, it's and that's it's, uncalled for. It, it was. It was absolutely with this town in this lineup. You cannot be losing games when your starting pitcher gives up no earned runs and two runs total. You yeah. can't lose them. Pitched great seven innings, you know, and you know, like I said. The key here, you look in this series right now against Texas. Carrasco started. 
He bombed. The next two games, let's see what pitchers, how they perform, and can they keep their team within striking, striking distance. When I mean, let's say, let's give it one or two runs. Let's say a two run. Let's say after the fifth inning, it's three to one, or three to one, four or three to one against. You know, meaning as a score, four to two. You know, either leading or trailing, and that's the bottom line. That's what I want to see. After five innings, exactly where does this team lie? Because if it's seven to one, game over. If it's if it's four if to it's two, three, if it's four to two, you have that three run homer chance. I'm not saying they're going to get it. If there's ever a team that needs that big bat to come through late in a ball game to give them a lead, I don't care who of it is. If it's if it's Chisenhall, if it's Incarcion, you know it. it it could be if it's Ramirez. I don't care who, but this team needs a three-run homer to go on a win streak, and it needs it late in a ball game. If it's a two-run, if it's a solo home run, and you win, fine. I don't care how, but it needs a dramatic need win mm-hmm. at home. And I hate the term walk-off because that only means home wins. Because you only can have you a need walk-off. Late inning comeback. Yeah, but. They need one at home. Mm-hmm. This is one of the few times I really truly believe. Need, I'm going to say a walk-off. And when I mean a walk-off, I mean a home run. I mean need, a dramatic, big-time win. What you need is a Cincinnati Reds-type comeback a couple weeks ago on Gus Nost where we had the game on and we let it slip away. They made the plays. They got a call overturned. And they got to Cody Allen finally. What I think even more along your point, you need a game, like you said, not a walk-off, a late inning comeback where it's spearheaded by Lindor and or Kipnis to get them. And I think Frankie has gotten two home run happy. His home runs are up, but his average is 255. He's, we have guys who can hit home runs. But, you know, something. He's right to, on target to hit his 15 to 20. And I know that's exactly what he can do. He has I'm not too worried. 15 right now, I already think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's so, right on target. Yeah, I agree. But that's baseball today. Yeah, I agree. it is, unfortunately. And I think he's a little tired from the World Baseball Classic. Uh, been playing I every day since March. Thing. And I think that happened to Miller. This team needs to fight through this right now. The All-Star break is about three weeks well. away. And they're going to need it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have some players playing. But they're going to still have an opportunity to rest and to rejuvenate their second half. This India is traditionally a better second half team than a first half team. Let's hope that's the case this year, because they're going to need to prove that. Uh, again, the key is the starting pitching. They're number one, two, and three. Kluber, Carrasco, and question mark whoever that person is. Mark, and that's going to matter. Mark Munch Bishop tweeted out a couple of days ago. Right now, who's India's number three starter? It's a question mark. And I sent back right now Bauer. And that's not. Yeah, no, I agree. But it's really what, in my opinion. It is question mark. Yeah, it is. It's question mark because Bauer's number four and Talman's number five, or vice versa, take your pick. But, you know, number three is Salazar, and Salazar did not perform this year. And they have used everybody in anybody out of the and stands Clevenger's this year. And Clevenger's done a good job for Mike Clevenger. He's done a serviceable job. And Clevenger's a five. But again, he's being he's asked to five. be a three. Exactly. He's a rookie, and, and he's you, a five. And, and that's the bottom line, is you have three fives right now on this team, and Bauer, Clevenger, and Tomlin. And that's the bottom line. Three fives don't win you championships. Right now. Uh, you need a one and two and a three. Mm-hmm. And right now, one and two are not getting support. And when two does fail or one does fail, this team set up for a four or five game problem. 
and that's where they lose four out of five or you know win three only win three out of ten that type of scenario and that's where they can't afford to do right now you want one ingredient to fix this team find a number three starter and take the pressure off one and two for they know that if they falter there's someone there to pick them up right now they don't have that Bauer's not ready to take that role Tomlin's not good enough to take that role, and Cleverage is too inexperienced to take that role. So that's the bottom line where the Indians are. They need Salazar. They need a healthy Danny Salazar pitching correctly with his mindset on and going after players because he has the ability. We've seen that over the last three, four he seasons. He has electric stuff to be an ace. Yes, and Carrasco has the ace mentality too. Tonight he, he blew it. All right, we move on. Next time out, let's hope we'll see it. Kluber has been pitching like a number one for the last three weeks. No, he's and, been pitching like a Cy Young candidate right now. And that's what he is every I mean, year. That is his stuff against Minnesota this past weekend was just absolutely filthy. And that's what he is. That's, he looked better than he did last week. And last week he looked phenomenal. That's who they are. That's who and, they are. And again, I, I'm, if you can get a Cole, Archer, or Gray and have them come in and settle this rotation, and then you bring back Salazar in July or August, that's your fourth starter. A guy last year who the first half was your best pitcher. That could get you. Thankfully, the Twins and Royals are what they are. They're a maybe at the peak in 85-86 win team. Don't give them room to improve. Don't don't let them breathe. And I, I mean that don't, don't What's the saying in the let me use a bath one out to make it more understandable. When you let the underdog in the first or second round hang around and hang around, you keep giving them hope. And the twins don't want to win right now. Hey. And that's you know what? You know what? I'll use uh, And that's just baseball though. Put it it's all sports. You let you let your opponent hang around sooner enough you're looking up. And that's where the Indians are at right and now. And that's not gonna in terms That's to Kansas City, because Kansas City is an experienced veteran ball club who knows this is their last year regardless. Don't give them hope where they want to improve their club. Yep. They were supposed to be sellers this year. They're right now will be thinking about being buyers. There's a big difference. And, they're make and the Kansas City's in, in a scenario where all their players are basically about to graduate to free agency. And in the process, this team is going to need to rebuild. They may say, Let's go for it one last time yep. and while we still have them. And that's where they're at. Mm-hmm. And they are on the verge about to make a run. And if they do, you're, the Indians Look are going to – Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Look you, out because they've played well. You let you teams year. hang around, they become buyers, not sellers. And that's where this market's headed. And that's the problem the Indians are facing. And they may have to overpay for a player to help them down the line. We'll have to wait and see. What they choose to do, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But, again, my key is one, two, and three in the starting rotation. If they settle that down, I think this team in the long term will be okay. Offensively, they just need to get on base. God, they just need to get on base. Get them right. on, get them over, get them in. Anthony, one last thought here as we try to wrap this up. We're a little over an hour right now. Yeah, it's uh, stepping aside from the big league club. Uh, the scrapper started last week, and – I try to get to about to seven or eight games a year, maybe more, depending on scheduling and you know just the overall competitiveness of the club. And through the first seven games, the Scrappers are 
five and two, five and three. We'll have to have uh, Steve Ruman come on. And, so they uh, played really well. They're a fun team to watch. I went up opening day for the home opener. I went up yesterday on Sunday. They lost both, but you, you know they're a fun team, and you can see the talent there. And it's fun to watch these kids play, uh, get their first taste of big league baseball. And I want to say this: the the city of Niles and the greater area of Trumbull County and Mahoning County does an absolutely fantastic job not only coming out to the game and supporting the team, but being fan-friendly. It's just really fun. It's not really expensive. Um, it's baseball. That's what minor league baseball yep. is. Hey, it's baseball. I, I agree. I'll tell you what. Let's try to shoot uh, in the next couple of weeks to uh, – Hopefully, maybe by the end of July at the latest, try to get uh, Steve Ruman on, who covers the, them over the years. He knows all the trivia about the uh, the scrappers and more. And we can talk that, get ready for the high school football season. A little tease, I can't announce it yet, but I will be doing high school football again. And I'll have some help along the way this year. We'll tell you about all that once it becomes 100% official. It's 99.9. It is official. It's just they haven't given me permission to talk about the it yet. The technical... Hey, I'm not. I'm not. I'm so not allowed to, to talk about it yet. Nope. So once once nope. I'm allowed, I, we will be singing to the uh, to the choir all about high school football season coming up, and I'm looking forward to it. And I want to thank you all for listening again and downloading. And remember, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Radio MVP. You'll find us there. Click on it. Subscribe. Please rate and review. It matters. It shows uh, how we do on iTunes and. Uh, throughout the podcast world so it's really important to us and i hope that you would take the time and rate us uh and jump on our webpage radiomvp.com and you can also find us on facebook just search radio mvp we have a page out there you can interact with us go ahead uh you can rate us there talk to us and get involved and i appreciate anthony for coming over we did this uh in person today, instead of over the internet, we're yeah, gonna try so to so much technical difficulties at home. So we're gonna try to get those fixed, but this works. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Going old school. All right. Hey, thanks again for everybody for tuning in and downloading. This has been episode nine of Radio MVP. Hey, a little post production uh, note here, as uh, Anthony and I were discussing the Indians game tonight with Texas, the Carrasco start. They trailed seven to one. It's now fifteen to eight in the eighth inning. So. There you go. Maybe our start of that big comeback we were talking about that they needed at home. So I'm going to ask you to go to iTunes once again and rate and review us. We'd be much appreciated as Anthony and I will return next week with more from Radio MVP, the Valley's most valuable podcast.